This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Ashley, I have a feeling that a lot of people are listening to this podcast right now and they have no idea who the superhero icon is or about the importance of the 1990s company Milestone comic books. Mm -hmm. So for those people uh, without, you know, because, of course, I'm going to go into detail on all of those. But Mm -hmm. for those people, what would you say to them about, you know, the importance of icon and the importance of the 1990s Milestone comics run? 1990s Milestone comics is for comic books what, to make a very lazy comparison, rap music is for a Black audience in music. It is Black creators telling Black stories of Black excellence in a superhero setting. And Icon is the face of that. Icon's the Superman of that. Icon is the the Superman analog of that universe. Um, And the level of care and intelligence with which this whole universe is crafted is like beyond, beyond. Uh, anything else that was being done at the time. I didn't know about Icon. If you go back, I, I don't know what episode it is, but you can hear me being taught about Icon by Jason hearing Geek History Lesson. I think Milestone is starting to get its due in comic book history, um, and I'm so glad that we're going to get a chance to dive into it. And that's a perfect place to bring this Geek History Lesson to session. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I am Jason. I stand at the altar of Dwayne McDuffie Inman. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. Welcome to your Mind University because you have stumbled onto the podcast where we take one character, construct, or superpowered being from popular culture and teach you everything you need to know about them in about an hour. I think that was my favorite of your middle names to date. <laughs> and uh, I'm, like I said, like no joke, I'm I'm hyped that we're doing Icon today. Well, we're talking about Icon, the Milestone Comics and technically DC Comics yep. character. He is one of my favorite superheroes. He is one of the most important black superheroes that have ever mm-hmm. been written, that has ever existed. And I want to give a quick shout out here because uh, this was helped out by our research assistant, Diego Nunez, who did, always does great work. And this episode was requested by two people. Heck yeah. It's requested by Philip Thompson. And it was also requested by Diego Olon and uh, Diego Nunez wrote me a special note here to tell me that uh, Diego Olon is Diego's best friend. So Diego's best Wait, friend. what? So Diego's <laughs> best friend, Diego, uh, thanks for listening and uh, thanks for requesting this. Oh, what a great bit of, uh, excuse me, of uh, um, synchronicity. This is uh, Diego. This is a Diego squared episode. It is Diego yep. squared. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, everybody, we're going to dig deep into Icon. 
Uh, but before we get to that 10 cent origin, I want to tell you that my comic book series, Super Best Friend, is back. And if you might be saying to yourself, no, 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 shut up, Jason. I want to talk about Icon. I don't want to talk about your superhero. Well, you know, if don't take my word for it. How about take the word of Patrick Schumacher, executive producer and co-showrunner of HBO Max's Harley Quinn and ABC's Abbott Elementary, because he read a copy of Super Best Friend, and this is what he said. He said, it is a rip-roaring reminder that the bonds we share with our closest allies are as unbreakable as Captain Terrific. Super Best Friend is a story about the best of us written by the best of us. And if you can't take Patrick Schumacher, the executive producer and co-shutter of HBO Max's Harley Quinn's words, then how can you trust anybody? I was really hoping that you were going to pull him out from behind that curtain. Uh, I wish. Patrick's I, a nice man. He's a very nice man. <laughs> and very talented. Uh, so, you know, again... I always worry about friendships and best friends in my life. I think we all do, which is why I wrote the comic book series Super Best Friend, which is live on Kickstarter right now for the next 30 days for its third and final issue. It's the series finale. It's about Matty Moore, who loves recording superheroes. And unfortunately, one of his videos has wrecked the life of his best friend, revealing the secret identity of his best friend, the superhero Captain Terrific. And now Matty has to enter the fantastic world of supervillains and superheroes to repair his friendship uh all three issues of the series are available in the campaign we have variant covers by sarah louver variant covers by greener artist phil hester variant cover by dan jurgens a great superman artist and you can have yourself drawn into the comic there's all kinds of great tiers and there are some more exclusive add-ons by people like dan jurgens howard porter jim chung and more but they only pop up at certain periods, you gotta be gotta be make sure. So go to superbestfriendcomic.com right now. There's a link in the description of this podcast episode. And if you can't donate, that's totally cool. Sharing the campaign on social media, giving me a retweet, it will also help the series as well. Independent comic books are labors of love. That's why we go to Kickstarter and uh, we can use all the help. And I hope you enjoy the story. Superbestfriendcomic.com. Can I show you my favorite Easter egg about Super Best Friend? Uh, sure. Two of Jason's best friends make character appearances in it. Uh, I know about one. Who's the other one? Me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, my sister's in it. My mom's in it. My brother's in it. Jay Washington is in it. Yes, he is. Uh, um, there's Vic a whole Cody Bond. Victor Dandridge. Listener is it? Victor Dandridge is in it. Melissa Maloney is in it. There's a bunch of patrons and Geek History Lesson listeners. Yeah, uh, but, but Jeremy Skinner's likeness is uh, is a very key part of the sh the His likeness the and his well. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's in the comic book as Jeremy Skinner, which is very funny. Um. But yes, uh, um, Captain Terrific is awesome. Captain right. Terrific is awesome. <laughs> All right. Speaking of other awesome black superheroes, let's get to the 10 cent origin of Icon. What's the 10 cent origin, Ashley? The 10 cent origin is all the basic who's it's and what's it's galore in case you get invited to a milestone themed cocktail party and you decide to go in your green bathrobe. Icon, of course, was published by DC Comics. Milestone Comics was a subdivision of DC Comics. It's publication date of the original series, which is mainly what we're going to be talking about here. We're going to be talking about the original series was 1993 to 1997, had 40 two issues. It was written by Dwayne McDuffie, penciled by M.D. Bright, inkers Mike Gustavich, and lettered by Steve Dutrow. Icon's first appearance was in Icon number one in May 1993. He was created by a co-duo of Dwayne McDuffie, the writer, and M.D. Bright. His alter ego is Arnus. His species is Termian. His place of origin is Terminus, the cooperative. We're going to get in all, all into those. His partnerships have been with Rocket, who was a student and a protege. And his secret identity is Augustus Freeman the Fourth. 
His abilities are formidable, hand-to-hand combatant. He is a well-trained, armed, and unarmed combatant. He has vast superhuman strength, superhuman speed, reflexes, stamina, and senses. He has flight. He is nigh invulnerable. He has enhanced mental perception, meaning he's a smarty. He has a regenerative healing factor. He has extraordinary longevity, and he has the ability to generate and project positron energy blasts. There you go. Now we're going to get into the meet cute. Which is where the first time we're going to tell you where we meeted someone and how cute it was because we stole it from romantic comedy writing. Research assistant Diego Nunez said, I never really got to know about the character until this lesson. How dare you, Diego? However, I distinctly remember both him and most notably Rocket, his sidekick, when they were both heavily featured on Young Justice. Now, Mm -hmm. Ashley, Mm -hmm. is your meet cute for Icon this podcast? Yes, it it is. Will you tell a little bit more about that story? Um... I want to say it might have been in the Bumblebee episode or mm-hmm. a Teen Titans-esque episode. And I said something like, we were talking about like troubled kids who become superheroes. And you brought up Rocket and the fact mm-hmm. that Rocket was a teen mom mm-hmm. and a good mom and a superhero and icon. Because like most people, my main exposure to icon was through the Static Shock cartoon mm-hmm. series. Um, and you like blow my mind explaining this whole universe to me. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, a few years ago now, I don't know how long ago, but when DC started releasing their 90s milestone comics digitally, I read Icon for the first time. And the first page of the first issue of Icon opens with a James Baldwin quote. Mm-hmm. And I had just read, um, I can't remember which book I read, but I just read, read a bunch of James Baldwin. And I was like, okay, this is better than any comic book I've ever read before. Like, it's just, it's just so different. But yes, my, my original meet cute was this podcast. So tell us yours, because it'll be a new and interesting story. So bef- between Batman, the animated series and the appearance of Superman, the animated series. So somewhere between, I think, 94, 96, mm-hmm. there was this newsstand magazine. Mm-hmm. It was fat, not not like a comic book. It was an actual newsstand magazine that I believe was called like the Batman and Superman Adventures magazine. Mm -hmm. I have a copy of it in one of our long boxes because I bought a copy when I got an adult. But what it is, is it was just like kind of a puff piece kind of thing tied into the cartoons, Mm -hmm. kind of designed to sell merchandise. But what they would do is they would have people um, animate like Superman adventures. And this is before Superman animated series, the Bruce Tim one, because he's Superman in these, he was in the Bruce Tim style, but he had long hair and they would do things like Kyle Rayner. And in the back of this, they published, cause I had like, I think the first four or five issues of this, uh-huh. they would publish old issues of milestone. Mm. So they published like the first 10 pages of icon, the mm-hmm. first 10 pages of static shock. And then when you got the, the second issue, you'd get the next 10 pages, the next 10 pages. So like, that is how I figured out who milestone comics was. Mm-hmm. And then I started like tracking down all their issues and stuff like that. Um, so that is how I met. Cause I don't think, cause I didn't grow up anywhere near a, a comic shop. So I probably would have never figured out about icon until like wizard magazine or yeah. years later. Yeah, 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 that's a really smart thing that I think the comic book companies struggle to do in the digital mm-hmm. age. It's harder to repackage old works like this mm-hmm. and you kind of um, trick people into discovering new things. Yeah. 
Uh, we're not asking it, about that anymore. It worked with me. I tracked it down after this. Yeah, and you're better for it. All right, so we're going to get into some fun facts about Icon, but first we got to talk about Milestone Comic Books. Yes. So Milestone Comic Books was an independently owned imprint of DC Comics. It was founded by Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cohen, and Michael Davis and Derek T. Dingle. Now, you've met Dennis Cohen, right? Uh, Dennis Cowan. Cowan, am I saying yes. that right? Okay. Uh, you've met uh, Dennis Cowan. I have. I met Dwayne McDuffie before he passed. Woo! Two, um, we're, we're two for three. <laughs> uh, all great, uh, great men. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted greater representation of minority heroes. And the founders felt that minorities were severely underrepresented in American comics and wished to address this. In 1993, Milestone Media launched its first four titles. Now, Ashley, you've read some Milestone comic books. Yep. We, uh, we have outside this room. Uh, the milestone compendium, come to, comp comp compendium. I can't say it. Compendium. The big, the big brick. The big omnibus book of the first. It has the first twelve issues of these four series. Yes, and, and you have. We've ordered the second. I pre-ordered volume yeah. two. I'm I, as I will pre-order every one of those because again, pre-orders matter when it comes especially to especially books. for books like this. Uh, we'll be lucky to get all of milestone out of those. I hope they do all of them. Look, you and I have suffered the loss of the impulse omnibus. We understand. Yeah, <laughs> these books have been out of print for so long, for almost thirty years, and they. I guarantee you, they're going to go right out of. Again. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to get my copy of them before they disappear. All the getting's good. Okay. Can you name the first four Milestone comic book series? Uh, probably, you, probably not. You know at least two of them. <laughs> Icon. Yep. Static. One. Shock. It's static. not Static Shock. It's Static. static. I know. It didn't become Static Shock until, until the cartoon. cartoon. Yeah. Uh, Blood Syndicate. Correct. That's Dennis's book. Uh, I can't believe you remember Blood Syndicate <laughs> over this one, the more important one. Uh, I almost swore on this microphone. I mean, with Milestone comics, it might be appropriate because those characters do curse sometimes. Uh, they do. That's yeah, yeah. what's really interesting is it's a very mature it's adult. look. It's very adult. In, in yeah. a way that 90s comics were trying to be yeah. gritty and real. So it almost, Milestone comics actually were gritty and real yeah, for, yeah. for superheroes. They were very adult superheroes. Can I have a hint to the last one? Uh, he's an Iron Man kind of like. Character. Oh my God, hardware. Yep, hardware. <laughs> yep. I, I, the minute you said that, I was like, I know, I see him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, those are the original. Uh, I'm gonna throw this out there. Action figure spotlight. I like it when you do it better than I do. Oh really? I yeah, like yeah. it when you do it better. <laughs> yeah, I do the action figure. Yeah, spotlight. I do. <laughs> um, there is a static uh, action figure that DC Direct made years ago. Um, I would kill for a hardware an icon and a rocket, but I want them in their original 1993 costumes. Yeah. Uh, because I'm going to say this right now. Um, there are a lot of talented people working on milestone comics or whatever the milestone is that DC comics. You can right still now. prefer it's they're, called milestone generation, but you can, you can still prefer the original costumes. They're doing great work. Yeah. I hate icons redesign. That's fine. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. I'd like, I don't think there was anything wrong with this original costume, but I want action figures of the original costumes. Uh, I do too, because I also really like Rocket's 1990s yep. uh, tough girl hair. Yep. And I would give, I would give uh, Rocket a, her baby and a papoose. <laughs> so anyways. Amistad. <laughs> although, uh, yeah, it is Amistad. I know it uh, is. <laughs> yeah. uh, although Milestone Comics were published through DC Comics, they did not fall under DC Comics editorial control. Thank goodness. I'm going to say this. Yep. Thank goodness. Yep. DC retained only the right not to publish any mere material they rejected to. Uh, Milestone canceled several of its lower selling series in 1995 and 1996. And that basically led to the end of the imprint. And the characters have been brought in and out of the modern DC universe several times. Um, Diego also uh, noted that they were included in the finally on screen in the Young Justice series as well. 
Yes. They've crossed into several versions of the DC universe. They are technically in the DC continuity now. Uh, But we're only going to talk about Icon, the Superman, and the greatest superhero of this universe. Now, here's a very funny story. Okay. Um, We're not going to get into politics here. Mm -hmm. But um, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, Mm -hmm. whatever you think of the man, he's a comic book fan. Mm -hmm. And he cited Icon as one of his favorite comic books of all time. And he loves icon uh so much that apparently when the series was being published he would have his clerks his law clerks index the series and pull quotes from it for his speeches and his letters um when Dwayne mcduffie eventually uh uh, found out Mm -hmm. um this is the story of how he found out because apparently at one point supreme court justice Clarence Thomas called the milestone offices <laughs> and was basically like, I want to talk to the people that make icon. <laughs> um, and the person that answered the phone was Derek Dingle. Uh-huh. And uh, Dwayne was like too nervous. And Derek Dingle apparently went to the Supreme court, looked at like, got at the tour of Clarence Thomas. Uh-huh. office. Oh, got the tour of everything. And then came back and told the story to icon creator, Dwayne McDuffie. And, and Dwayne describes this encounter on uh, Dwayne McDuffie's blog is still live. Yeah. Um, and he describes this encounter on his blog. Um, so, uh, Derek Dingle came back on the visit and said, you know, Thomas is a really big fan of yours. You know, I was in his chambers and it, it was just like you think dusty law books from floor to ceiling. And he also has a complete set of all the single issues of icon there. And he showed me the leather binder that he keeps them in. And he has clerks go through and pull out quotes of things icon says that he agrees with. Then he marks them with post-it notes and that way he can use them in speeches. Dwayne and his blog goes, and I quote, I beg your pardon to Derek. <laughs> and, and Derek says he quotes icon in papers and speeches, or I mean, sorry, rather the lines you write. So he, I guess he's quoting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dwayne McDuffie says, as it turned out, Derek wasn't pulling my leg. I shook my head and walked away. The historical laughter of my partners ringing in my ears. It all died down pretty quickly. Although my brother took to calling me Peggy Noonan after Ronald Reagan's speechwriter for several months after I heard this story. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, the real problem about this is it didn't come into light until I sat down to write the next script for icon. I found myself frozen. I found myself with the first time with writer's block ever. And I couldn't write the next script because every time I started to write any line of dialogue for icon, I froze. And I said to myself, what will Clarence Thomas make of this? <laughs> well, hey, uh, Clarence Thomas has excellent taste in comics. That's what I'm going to say. And I thought that was story. Uh, Diego brought that story to my attention. And I was like, I was like, that is fantastic. That's adorable. Yeah. Uh, and that that tells you like comics matter. Yeah. And comics have a further reach than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Icon is a strong believer in the self-reliance philosophy of Booker T. Washington. And also, just lastly, to make Icon a little bit different, Icon um, is a Republican with conservative viewpoints economically and socially. And they bring that up several times mm-hmm. in the comic book. And actually, I wanted to ask you is it's not common for comic book characters to have strong political ideologies. And that is something that Dwayne McDuffie plays with. Um, Not superheroes, certainly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, we always hear uh, Green Arrow being very liberal. There are exceptions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you is, you know, and I, I don't really want to get into like, who do we think is what? 
Um, especially like for some of our international listeners, it'll be meaningless. But, yeah, yeah. But I want to. I want to think. Are, are there any superhero characters that you think would have strong political feelings? Like, are, you know, any that that stand out to you that besides any of the ones we've talked about? Uh, Bruce Wayne is a Republican. You think so? He's a billionaire. I don't think he cares. Yes, I think he votes Republican. I'm just saying, I'm not asking about which party they're affiliated with. I'm asking you, <laughs> who do you think has strong political ideologies? Um, who actually cares about politics? Because I could care less which party they're in. That's tough. Uh, I think Wonder Woman does on an international scale. Really? I do. I think that's why I think she works as an ambassador. Uh-huh. Um, I think Wonder Woman is a, is a humanitarian mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And I am interested in a version of Wonder Woman that like is aware of a lot of what's going on in the planet. Mm -hmm. um, I think Captain America does. I mean, yeah, Captain America. He's a well, he's not a boomer. He's a he's the greatest generation. Yeah, I thought you were going to say he was a bootlicker for a second. And I was he's like, whoa, a bootlicker. Yeah, he's a bootlicker. Um, Come here, Buck. <laughs> you know, I want to say when you I'm with you till the end of the line or the end of the shoe cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I. <laughs> I mean, Nick Fury. I don't think Nick Fury gives a damn about politics. I think he's above it. I think Nick Fury knows how to play politics. Well, sure. I bet, I think he controls them all. I don't think he cares about the politics. It's like Batman. I don't think Batman cares about politics. Uh, that's interesting. Superman doesn't care about politics. Superman doesn't have to care about politics. Well, but he doesn't care. Um, or if he does, Superman cares about municipal politics. Like he cares who's the mayor of the city. And the city council. Yes. yes. Stuff like that I think is very, very important to him. Um Dick Grayson has become Nightwing has become fairly political, but always again on kind of a local level. Like he is always in Bloodhaven um, dealing with like local politics. You know, there's one person, there's one character that I'm surprised we haven't brought up as uh, a character we talk about quite frequently on this podcast. Um, I think Daredevil because Daredevil has been mayor of New York. I think Daredevil really oh, cares about politics. Interesting. He's obsessed with the law. Yeah, I mean he's a lawyer. Yeah. So uh so then do you think She Hulk cares about politics? No, no, She Hulk just cares about a good time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's an interesting question. Like who is politically minded? Um because like Tony Stark to me like And I apologize for for misunderstanding when you initially asked me. Uh, it's just like I don't you know, parties change and, and go and move. And to me it's like it's not I don't care whether somebody is like liberal or conservative. I just care of like, do you think they would actually like do, pay they, attention. do they actually pay attention to it? Because yes, like when you think yeah. about them as a superhero, you're like, that's a lot of time. Like, you know, there was that time. Um, there Magneto's was, very political. Oh, well, of course. There was there was the time. A lot of the X-Men characters are. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, but that makes sense, right? For their like viewpoint. Like there was a time where Tony Stark was Secretary of Defense, and I was like, I absolutely don't, not. I was like, I don't buy this at all. No, Tony, it's the problem with Civil War. Yeah. is they're on the wrong sides. No, <laughs> Tony Stark doesn't care about any systems. No, I mean Tony Stark cares in terms of like glad handing who will let yeah. him do whatever he wants. Exactly. Um, but that's like as far as that's uh, also what I was like driving at was sort of Bruce Wayne. Like, oh, okay. like I could see Bruce Wayne like keeping people in his pocket and like showing up at fundraisers mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, like Batman doesn't care. I don't think he cares. No, because he's, he's both above and below it. Anyways, let's get to the history 101 of Icon. Let's do it. The main meat of the lesson where Professor Jason is going to crack our heads even further open and fill it with iconic goodness. So Icon was born on the planet Terminia and given the name 
Arnis. That is his birth name. Mm-hmm. He joined the Galactic Council known as the Cooperative, which is a collective group of different alien species which have joined together for the betterment of a civilized society. Yeah, it's actually a pretty progressive idea. <laughs> um, they didn't have this word in the group, uh-huh. but he was basically a lawyer for them. Yeah. Uh, he was a silver servant for them. Now, while aboard an interstellar pre- pleasure cruise line, mm-hmm. that cruise line was attacked and Arnis made his way to an escape pod that took him to the nearest planet, which just happened to be Earth. Mm-hmm. He lands on a cotton plantation in the year 1839. Not great. No. And a black woman named Miriam discovers the crash site. Now, his pod recreated his body to duplicate the DNA of the nearest life form for survival purposes, mm-hmm. which is pretty handy, I would say. And in this case, Miriam, uh, which is who was scanning, yep. It reconfigured Arnis to look like a newborn baby infant, mm-hmm. a newborn black, black baby, baby yeah. infant. Miriam adopts him as her own. And as such, he learns the local language and the caste system of slavery based on his skin tone. Mm-hmm. He soon discovers his superhuman powers and immortality and using them to help others during this period. He secretly lightens the slave workload and he even aids a resistance movement dedicated to freeing slaves, which eventually becomes known as the underground railroad he even fought for the union uh during the civil war uh and arnis hoped that by bidding his time the technology of earth would eventually catch up enough that he could repair his pod and return to the cooperative uh and after the abolition of slavery he gave himself the name augustus freeman Mm -hmm. now this is you know basically an altering of the classic superman origin mm-hmm. instead of landing in kansas he lands during you know uh, plantation era in the deep south pre-american civil war um this is also similar to superman red sun where superman lands in the ussr during the 1930s uh let me ask you this ashley yes is this a smart twist of the superman origin this is an incredibly smart twist of the superman origin mm-hmm. that um i'm i'm surprised we didn't see a take like this earlier in Superman's history, mm-hmm. I'm glad that the people who wrote it were people who could write authentically to that experience um, or as close as you can in, in the modern age, um, because I could I could see a version where if this was a mainstream, if this was a Superman Elseworlds where this went really poorly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also think for creating your own imprint and build like they're trying to build out the Dakota verse, the Dakota universe for the first time. I think it's a really intelligent shorthand to get the people who read Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman mm-hmm. uh, to, to invest in icon and the mythology that you're trying to build for well, the first when, time. When you look at the first four titles, three of the four are all based sort of in Fam- familiar concepts. It's, yeah. It's the archetype of Superman. It's the archetype of Iron Man. It's the archetype of Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is smart. It's and then very the te- smart. And then the team up book. Uh, yes, it's the team up book, but Blood Syndicate is not really like Just League. Or, I actually, I actually think Blood Syndicate is more of an archetype of like the '90s sort of image title books. I would agree of yeah. all of all the milestone mm-hmm. offerings, but I mean, it's intelligent to have like three solo heroes and, and then, then a team, team book, yep. even if they're not on it. Mm-hmm. Now, as the years went on, Augustus kept himself away from the public eye as he could never die. 
uh, at least through aging. Mm-hmm. So he would resurface now and again as his own son, which is why he is Augustus Freeman the, the fourth. fourth. Following the Great War, the World War, Augustus attended university where he studied law and passed the bar in several states. And because of that, he was able to support himself. During the Harlem Renaissance era, he made a woman named Estelle Jackson. And mm-hmm. the two fell in love and married. And they eventually left the country. In World War II, he fought with the Allies against Nazi Germany, believing that it would lead to a racial unity in America after coming together to fight hatred and bigotry. And because of this, the couple returned to America, to Harlem, only to find out that they were completely wrong and they misjudged America 100 Mm -hmm. percent. Racism was back in full force after the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And despite all that, Estelle, who knew about his superpowers, encouraged Augustus to use his powers for heroic acts. He never went public, but it did create the persona of a mystery man saving people around Harlem. Um, Estelle eventually also learns that Augustus is an alien and accepts him fully because they realize that there is a genetic incompatibility because Estelle wanted to have children together, but because they're different species, they can't procreate. They cannot procreate. In 1977, Estelle died from cancer and Augustus sort of blamed himself for his death. And he believes that if he could have fixed his pod, he could have taken her back to the cooperative and saved her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so because of that event, because of the death of his poor Estelle, Augustus becomes emotionally distanced and leaves Harlem and relocates to the city of Dakota. That's right. Now we're going to learn a little bit more about Dakota City, the fictional home of the Milestone universe, right after this, my friends. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back, Geek History Lesson here, talking about the milestone hero icon. And we're going to learn about his superhero origin. So several years later, let's say the year 1993, the year that Icon's first issue came out. That's kind of convenient, right? One night, (laughs) a bunch of teenagers break into the home, presumably of what they think is a rich white man. Yep. These teenagers are Noble, Raquel, Irvin, and Lenny. And they try to break in and grab whatever they can take. They are soon confronted by Augustus. 
Uh, and Noble, in a state of panic, pulls out a gun and shoots Augustus point blank. They all run when suddenly Augustus gets up and chases after them. In a bathrobe. Yep. Uh, he corners them. But in the interest of his privacy, he scares them with a warning rather than involve the police as he flies and hovers above them, yeah, scaring no, the bejesus out of them. It's an awesome image. Yeah. And like I said, he's in a bathrobe because it's green and it flares out like it looks Icon's like his green cape. cape. It looks like his cape. Yeah, it's good. Also, I've always thought for the, every time I've read Icon that his cape is inspired by the Todd McFarlane spawn cape. That the idea it that it's has large that and it's kind big of vibe, and yeah. it kind of moves. Surprisingly, after that night, Raquel becomes inspired by Augustus. Mm -hmm. She thinks about the possibilities of what a man with his capabilities could accomplish. And a few days later, she returns to his home to pitch him an idea to dress up as a superhero. She provides a rough sketch and a superhero name icon, and she even pitches herself as his sidekick rocket so uh ashley yes. i know uh, i did not give you time to prepare uh but i would like you to do a little play acting here as rocket okay. i will be augustus okay. and i would like you to give me a pitch on pitching me to be icon and you're being rocket to be a superhero you just broke in my house yeah your buddy shot at me yeah and scene okay hi hi i put out these bagels for you thank you thank oh you thank you coming. so much i would love i would love to eat these bagels mm -hmm. um so you have superpowers yes that's right I have no superpowers. Mm -hmm. I think we would make a great team. Uh, I don't see your logic here. I'm sorry. Well, I'm 16 and I need something to do with my life mm -hmm. and you have superpowers. So I would like to be your sidekick. Mm, still, I don't see this logic here. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the book is going to go on. So we better team up. Well, uh, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. uh, if I become a superhero, will I be able to fix my pod? Uh, sure. Oh, wow. okay. I'm in. Or you, I'm might, in. you might know someone who I'm can. In. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of how it goes, though. Like. Uh, I he love, says yes pretty quickly. He does, but like I love, and it's in the first issue. <laughs> I love Raquel, but like the pitch is it's weak. <laughs> it is, it is weak, it is and weak. he's just kind of like, uh, you know, the book has to go on, mm -hmm. so he's he's going to accept it. I think you can you can imply that maybe she reminds him of Estelle and he likes her pluck and her drive because mm -hmm. he's quite lonely by this point. Um, but I mean, I love my girl Rocket, but like it's not a good pitch. <laughs> so she makes the pitch. Because she believes that Augustus' abilities could be the example to the city of Dakota that they need. Augustus is uncomfortable with the idea, says, get away. However, Raquel's youthful, optimistic pinch kind of sits in his mind, kind of like how her seeing his powers sat in hers. Ooh, Inception on Inception. Ah, he actually thinks to himself that Raquel reminds him of his cell, his late See? wife. And he walks through Dakota wondering how he could help them. Finally, Augustus responds to Raquel's pitch by sending her a costume based on her design made out of a special material and it includes an inertia belt. Now this, so, yes! this inertia belt <laughs> is a piece of cooperative technology taken from Augustus' pod. It can absorb, store, and redirect kinetic energy, mm -hmm. which actually is pretty useful power. It's basically like a force field. It's what gives her her, um, if you see a lot of images of Rocket, she's got like kind of purple mm -hmm. bolts or force fields and it all comes from, it all starts with the belt. Yep. And thus the two become a team known as Icon and Rocket. The two get together for their first night out on patrol and they come across the mayor of Dakota being held hostage and a special police task force surrounds the area. Rocket 
it wants to get inside discreetly, but Icon believes there should be a more direct approach, and he literally just walks up to the police. It's the best. Yep. Icon and Rocket announce themselves to the assist the special task force, and their immediate response, the task force draws weapons on them. And I believe, if I remember right, this is the final page of issue one, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great little cliffhanger and splash. Well, you know, um, the icon number two is a very famous cover and it's them doing the Batman Robin post. It's do not hop on cop is mm. what it says. Oh. And they're like hopping away from the police who are surrounding them. This is like, if you, this issue is worth, I think almost as much as issue one, if you have it slabbed because mm-hmm. of the iconic cover. Uh, so the task force eventually finds out that getting the mayor is not going to be their bag. So icon and rocket are finally able to assist when icon and rocket get inside, they find the mayor is held hostage by one of the members of her personal staff, Kevin Franklin, who transforms into a monstrous creature oh, yeah, yeah. known as Payback. Now, Payback isn't interested in killing the mayor. He just wants her to admit accountability for what not only she did to him, but others as well from the Big Bang. Now, this is not the universal Big Bang that created the universe. Are you sure? Or the sitcom. This (laughs) is, the Big Bang is a specific incident to the universe of Dakota. It actually ripples across all four titles. It's sort of the, like, unifying event Mm -hmm. of this universe. The Big Bang is an incident that took place in Dakota on Paris Island, a little island off the city, where over 500 gang members coalesced for an all-out bloody riot. The mayor, who was being positioned as a weak candidate, decided to take the opportunity to showcase her tough-on-crime policy, sending out the police to use this experimental tear gas to blast under the riot. Because, you know, that's the thing where it's like, hey, we got, hey, boss, we got some experimental tear gas. Well, launch it on those gang members, everybody. Yeah. The tear gas was intended to leave a marker so that any gang member that slipped away would still have a residue on them days later so the cops could round them up. Instead, the tear gas killed upwards to 90% of the people it made contact with and meaning that over hundreds of people uh, were killed basically. And those that survived were given an array of powers or abilities spawning characters like Kevin payback static of static shock mm-hmm. and the entire team, of the blood syndicate. Yeah. Um, milestone does a really good job at taking real world social issues mm-hmm. and positioning those as the catalyst for these superhero events. And what it does is it, all the stories have kind of a sad quality mm-hmm. as a result of that. Um, yeah, like every everyone you're like, oh, the bad guy's right, mm-hmm. but he's also rampaging. I'm learning something. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Ashley, very briefly, uh, I think we should talk about Static, the other, probably the most famous character from Milestone Comics. Do you want to give the viewers uh, a quick download on Static? Virgil Hawkins mm-hmm. is a teenage boy. Virgil Ovid Haw- Hawkins. <laughs> Sorry. I Don't forget his middle name. Remember his. Don't. How dare you disrespect Mr. Hawkins? Is it Ovid? Like O-V-I-D? Like the poet? Yeah. Oh, Virgil Ovid Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, Metamorphosis. Great. We love it. Um, He has electrical powers. You probably know him from writing on top of a sewer grate. That Trash can. Uh, or trash, trash can, can lid. lid. That's kind of his yeah. most popular mode of transportation. Sort of a yellow costume with a big blue jacket and a hat. 
Uh, yes. And originally a body stocking. Yeah. And then, uh, he gets a really cool coat in the animated series. Mm Um, yeah, he's your Peter Parker type. Mm -hmm. He's your young hero. He's fun. Uh, they use some slang in there that we don't say anymore. If you read that original series, there have also been some attempts when they were flip flopping back and forth with whether the milestone universe was in continuity of the DC. Static is always the one where they're like, maybe static is in continuity and no one else. They all, and they always try to do a black lightning. What I was going to finish with Sorry. was I was going to say that they have been sometimes that they have said that Virgil is John Stewart's nephew. How do you feel about that? That's eh, okay. It's, it's unnecessary, a little, isn't it? Seems a little bit of a small universe to me if you do it. But well, like that's the thing where where you where I, I there are several pitches again to make him like a part of a of a Black Lightning team, and you're like, really, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> Why not just give him his own series? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, you are correct. Uh, uh, he's a high school student. He's basically he's the Spider Man of yeah. the Dakota universe. Um, you know, he has adolescent problems, but he's typically the most famous because he's the one I think because like, he got the animated series called mm-hmm. Static Shock uh, which was a great great series and as part of mm-hmm. this new initiative um, I know that they're trying to develop an animated movie which was yep. so great, great. Uh, after their first public outing Icon reveals to Rocket that he can see she is pregnant he can see the little baby inside there well if it's got a heartbeat mm-hmm. that would make sense Rocket naturally doesn't believe him she doesn't feel any different doesn't show any signs mm-hmm. and but she does take a pregnancy test and it confirms that she is with child she makes an attempt to talk to noble remember uh the guy that mm-hmm. broke in with her uh the baby daddy and all he says is how do you know it was me mm-hmm. and rocket promptly hits him now i think she should have hit him with the inertia belt but she did not yeah uh she goes to a clinic to assess her situation and explore her options and she has a candid conversation with her doctor who shares her personal story about choosing her career over her pregnancy to help people like rock this is an incredible issue if, if oh. you don't read anything else please read this issue of icon the and, and then remember it was written in 1993 1993 yes that the we'll, we'll get to this i want to yeah. say yeah, yeah, i want to yeah, save yeah. a discussion yeah uh rocket then discusses the matter with icon mm-hmm. who you know is trusted om- friend father figure mentor alien almost 200 yep. years old yeah yeah um, seen some stuff <laughs> yeah uh boldly asking if she can borrow money from him to have an abortion mm-hmm. uh and fully expecting him to outright reject her icon gives her the money yep and he relates to her his personal story with estelle and the genetic incapabilities mm-hmm. where he reveals that he was never able to have a child with estelle which is one of his biggest regrets um enraged rocket hits icon because she's a teenager and full of feelings and she's kind of stressed out right now. And she was hoping she also can't hurt him. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 she kind of said to him, she kind of says a version of man, I knew you were a Republican. I know you were a conservative. I just kind of wanted you to sculpt me and tell me I was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you actually like helped me. <laughs> um, so, but despite the obstacles and the difficulties that can, she, she can see in her future, she decides to have the baby. Now, Ashley, you are uh, the woman on this podcast. I am. Uh, I want to ask you about your thoughts on the idea of having our female black superhero deal with a teen pregnancy in 1993, 1994. Um, if this were 
anyone other than a group of black writers, mm-hmm. I would have said this is exploitative and borderline Very offensive. Trope- tropish. Yeah. yeah, and I'd be like, really, you're doing this to your black character? Mm-hmm. Of course. Because a couple years, and I, I will say this. Uh, this I, I this bumps to... right up against the Stephanie Brown storyline. Okay. Okay. Yes, which Here... is not well handled at all. So I was going to say this. Yeah. I am 100% convinced. I have no evidence to back this no, up. No, you're right. You're let, 100% right. Let me finish right. so the listeners know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I am 100% convinced that because of the rocket pregnancy storyline, yeah. a couple years later, that is why um, Chuck Dixon yeah. decided to make, spoiler, Robin's little girlfriend sidekick, also pregnant and deal with a child pregnancy. I think it was because of Rocket. I yes. think Rocket did it first and they copied it. But because the Rocket mm. storyline is written by um, a group of black creators who... If they hadn't gone through a version of this themselves, probably knew a friend, a relative, someone they care about who went through a version of the situation. It is handled very well, very deftly, very maturely. It's very I, well written. I have nothing but respect for the fact that they put all of these conversations and all of these difficult topics on Front Street. I think that's one of the reasons why this series is so iconic and so important. Also... Um, I went with a couple of girls that I knew in high school to take care of situations that they went through. And this strikes me as very real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate however anybody involved in the storytelling did their research. I appreciate the way it's done and it feels very real to me. And I think that these are the type of topics when you see superheroes do this, it elevates them above being funny book nonsense. Mm-hmm. And there's room for funny book nonsense. Don't get me wrong. We just talked about recently how great Batman, the Brave and the Bold yes. <laughs> in the Bronze Age yeah. was. And that is nothing yeah. but funny book nonsense. Um, but this is what elevates these stories to the legendary level that they are and them being art. And I wish more creators would tackle subjects with this level of deafness. I was going to say that I think this level of story is a story that I think we even need to see more and more now. I agree. Um, because the best stories are stories that are universal. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think young women are getting pregnant before 21 all over the world, then you're fooling I, yourself. <laughs> then I have a rocket ship on the moon to sell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, stories being universal, but stories can also be great examples. Mm-hmm. Like the way rocket handles this is such, she handles this very like it's she, mature. She's yeah. There you go. Thank you. She, you know, um, She's overwhelmed, like mm-hmm. any teenager would be. Anyone who's pregnant is overwhelmed. Yes. Period. <laughs> no matter how old yes. you are. And and the fact and the fact that Icon just supports her like a good friend yes. should. That's what I wanted to say. The other yes. thing is like, yeah, we can talk he, about we can talk about the politics. Yeah, we can talk about like the Republican of it all. We could run all that into the ground. Of we, course. I mean, you can talk about the Democrat of it all too. Uh, no, it's, I, it's equal I, sides. But he. But I just mean because he is stated as yeah. being a Republican. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Either side, you can absolutely run that into the ground. The fact that she comes to him and just says, "I need your help and support," and he goes, "You can sure. have my, you can have my help and support." So sure. Yeah. That's. If you're ever in that situation, that's all you need to do. <laughs> yes, that is exactly like, like, again, I don't care what your politics are on either side of it. Being a good friend is more important than asserting your morals over somebody that you're supposed to love. Yeah, especially someone coming to you asking for help. Yes, in yeah. a very vulnerable position. But yeah, uh, yeah I think a storyline like this, this is one of the reasons why I think like Icon and Rocket would make an, an astounding television show. Because if you did this exact storyline exactly the same way in 2023, yeah. people would be like, oh, my God. And you were like, they can wrote, you believe they yeah. wrote this 30 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, also, I appreciate the fact that Rocket doesn't give up superheroing to do. It doesn't mm-hmm. ruin her life. Mm-hmm. She does for a bit. But yes, she does. Um, but like she continues being part of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that it doesn't ruin her life. Like mm-hmm. she is a good mom. 
And I think that that's really important as well. So after a few months of being Icon and Rocket, they both discover some difficulties. Rocket is having issues with her family as she gets closer and closer to coming to term. And also she's kind of getting sick, uh, sick yeah. while crime fighting. Yep. Uh, Icon broaches the conversation with Rocket finally going on maternity leave. Initially, she's like, no. And then she starts to concede when she realizes that she's kind of a liability to Rocket, uh, excuse me, Icon, because he has to kind of watch out for her. She's a liability to Rocket too, to mm-hmm. the Rocket persona at yep. that point. Yep. <laughs> uh, a, commu- <laughs> a community leader uh, Kelshawn Stevens publicly accuses Icon that his crime fighting is specifically towards ethnic criminals. This starts a public uprise turning against him where people refer to him as I Tom. Now this is a reference. This is a dark reference. <laughs> this, this is a reference to the book, uncle Tom's cabin that coined the derogatory term uncle Tom, which specifically refers to black people that are excessively obedient to white people like in the book. Rocket and Icon have a brutally candid conversation about this. These conversations to me are the reason why we still remember this book 30 years later. Rocket calls out a lot of Icon's privilege that allows him to detach himself from his community. His job also helps happens to be to catering to help rich white people, uh, you know, do their financial issues. Icon recognizes the issues when it comes to people of his color in terms of wealth, but he does believe that he does help people and that he does deserve to do it through his job. Um, he prides himself for his education and he believes that ignorance shouldn't be fashionable. Uh, Rocket then retorts that he would never understand that because he's not really black. He's an alien. Um, an icon says, and I quote from the book, I have been a black man for longer than anyone else alive on this planet. Yes. My special abilities protected me for most of my physical harm that others endured, but my mind, my heart, and my ego had no such protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is a pretty powerful statement because Dwayne McDuffie uses the series as a way to spotlight things like uncle Tom through, icon and you also see him working out probably some of the criticisms that are Mm -hmm. that are that are tossed at this book and this type of storytelling so i want to ask you you know would you say rocket is correct about icon being out of touch or is icon valid okay so i want to put a big asterisk to be like well i am a white lady so my opinion uh yes take it with a bag asterisk we can't speak to what it (laughs) means to be black yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um but it's kind of the question is a person defined by their background by their environment their privilege or their education Um, and we are coming to this as two white people as two white people with with a with a decent amount of that are that are reading a a work about black people written by astounding black Black creators 100 percent. but i just i felt like it was more no, it is important to say that. Before we yep. dive into this particular uh, uh, topic. Um, I think they're both right. And I think that is what is interesting and compelling about the storytelling. I think both of their responses are reflective of who they are as characters and their lived experience. And I, I can empathize in a very small way to a very specific degree in the frustrations that I will feel with other friends of ours um, who don't speak up about certain things on their platforms for, for fear of alienating other people. And that's just a mic, a tiny microcosmic comparative view of like what these two characters are trying to talk about. They're both right. And they're both wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, rocket, 
Rocket is coming from a very young, a very immature point of view in this case. She's 16 years old. Um, and no matter what Ariel says, that makes you a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and Icon is coming at it from a, a learned person, a more mature perspective. You know, it, we're wrong to distance ourselves, um, but you can't lash out at everything either. And I think the complicated nature of this is what makes it really compelling. Also, something that's compelling is boop, 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 as my sound effect, because Icon's radio transmitter is finally fixed. <laughs> and he is able to finally phone home like E.T. But first, before leaving Earth, he'd like to settle some affairs. Um, as promised, he investigates the Big Bang conspiracy. As we talked about, the origin of powers in Dakota. And he resolves the matter of the mayor. Uh, and he gets the, the mayor. The matter of the mayor. Well, he gets the mayor to publicly admit her involvement in the Big Bang conspiracy. No, I know. But the way you, t- you said that, it sounded like the, the title of the event. Um, he also confronts Noble, Raquel's boyfriend, and asks him to step up and be the father he is supposed to be to support his own child. He also convinces Hardwire, the uh, Iron Man sort of archetype, to f- fill in as Dakota's main hero in his absence. Uh, and Raquel starts looking at her best friend Darnese to fill in the role of Rocket while she is on maternity leave. Icon and Rocket arrange to see each other one last time before he leaves, and she pleads that the world needs Icon. And Icon replies, the world still has Icon. Icon is you. Icon was always you. And he leaves Rocket with a parting gift, a glass orb that he says, in time, you will know exactly how to use this. Um, I love a MacGuffin like mm-hmm. that. I really do. Now, we're going to learn a little bit more about the six months of Icon being gone from Earth right after this, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back talking Icon, the milestone comic superhero who finally found a way to return to his home planet. But we're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about all the stuff going on on Earth. Yeah. Icon phone home. So we skip ahead six months and Raquel Rocket has had the baby. He was born prematurely, but he survived and he's healthy. And she discovers after Augustus left that she has been getting checks that help provide for her newborn son, who she has named Amistad Augustus Irvin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Raquel is making it work as her mom and grandma are helping out raising little Amistad. And even Noble has taken Icon's words seriously and has stepped up to be involved as well. Uh, Raquel isn't interested in the two of them getting back together, but she appreciates that he wants to show up and be a father to Amistad. Look at them co-parenting like grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Dernice accepts the role of Rocket, 
and Raquel searches for someone to fill in as the new icon to help back up Darnese. They try a bunch of different heroes throughout the uh, Milestone universe, finally setting on Buckwild, Mercenary Man, who is an intentional and very obvious cross-parody of Dolomite and Luke Cage combined into one. Ah. Uh. Uh, he is meant to be a joke yep. from the very beginning. Eventually, a metamorphic creature from space named Oblivion, don't you hate it when that happens, <laughs> uh, arrives and starts to wreck havoc, always wrecking havoc. Why can't they just come for a nice cup of coffee? Obli <laughs> Oblivion is obsessed with destruction and death seeking revenge on Icon for condemning him to a prison planet. Thinking Buck is the real Icon, Oblivion kills Buck and scaring Dernice to run off for health. I mean, fair reaction. Mm -hmm. This forces Raquel to come out of retirement as she tries to contact the real Icon because as it turns out, the glass orb MacGuffin that Icon gave her is actually a transmitter to the cooperative. That makes sense. Back home at Cooperative World, Icon's return is celebrated. Much has improved since he has been away. They've cured death. Dope. Can yeah. they share their secrets? <laughs> I would also love to cheat death. <laughs> and replicas have been created. For example, Arnest 2, who was a replica that was created. Oh, no, not clones. Clones never work out. No, not a clone. A replica. Not clones. <laughs> um, and this basically is a exact copy of Icon. It was created in Icon's Replace. Um, the fate of Earth is put to task by the cooperative. They think the planet is found to be too aggressive and primitive for the cooperative's liking. And Icon has to give a testimony to decide the Earth's fate. He testifies that his, his time spent over the last 150 years, noting that they can be extremely gifted in some respects, genetically and psychologically, but societal, so socially it is less impressive. Um, they frank, this frankly, this whole thing confuses the cooperative. And when a transmission finally comes through from Earth calling Icon back into action, he faces off against Oblivion and subdues him, turning him over to the intergalactic police. Uh, now, Icon back on Earth, he meets his godson, he has a meeting with the mayor, and the mayor pitches him a housing project idea called Utopia Park. He isn't too keen on the idea as it requires removing people from their homes. Oh, like with, every housing project. Yep, <laughs> with no place to go, but it's for the greater good. The cooperative suggests that Icon take an active role in this project as a test run to see if Earth is actually capable of self-improvement. Icon is hesitant, but he agrees to stay for the next few months instead of immediately running back to the cooperative. Now, we see this from time to time in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, you know, even Battlefield Earth has a version of this. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's cliche to have stories that involve making a case for why the Earth is worth saving? Ha, 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 ha. Um, you know, it's a big question. Mm -hmm. It's also like, is humanity worth saving? Well, it's funny because uh, I think this is a great, and I think we both should do this, Ashley. Mm. Uh, um, this was a suggestion of a question, uh, discussion topic by our research assistant, Diego, which I think is fantastic. And he said, do you think you could make a case to save humanity based on your testimony? And I, if you would doubt, I would love to hear. Ugh. Would you love to give some testimony on the... On, on the uh, Not really. Uh, 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 <laughs> the fate of humanity. I'd be mean, like, I don't know, man, we really done did a bad job. Maybe give the apes a go at it. We bring this cooperative to order. I would love to live in the cooperative. You can t you can do everyone you to Earth. Can I, I can I just live here? Hi, silence, human. Okay. I am Gorp Glop Third. 
aren't, aren't your names like Arnis and Armin and... I said my name was Glorp Glop the I'm Third. sorry, I didn't mean to Why call. are you trying to deny my name? <laughs> I graduated UCB in Prof Level 4. <laughs> yes, and human. <laughs> Silence. Mm. Glorp Glop the Third. <laughs> I am here to hear your testimony. Based on your testimony, determines whether we will save the Earth or destroy it for an international and interspatial byway. Okay, but my main question is, if you destroy Earth, do I also get destroyed as somebody not currently on Earth? 100%. We will actually destroy you first as a test run for the destruction of Earth. Oh, we're pretty easy to destroy. I want to hear your testimony! Um... I don't know, man. Earth's not great. I mean, Earth is great. People aren't great. Again, can we just like maybe wipe out people and like let the apes have a go at it? Well, it sounds like you're pretty much on the side of killing humanity. So, yeah. all right. And uh, in terms of your, uh, uh, we've done this to honor you, human. Uh, we will use one of your Earth weapons. <laughs> you are now dead. Good, it worked. <laughs> I was yes and <laughs> you were finally <laughs> I don't know do you think you could make a case for I you know I will say that it was quite unfair that I put you under the spot of that without any preparation because that would be an impossible argument without any preparation well my brain keeps just slamming into like humanity's a cancer and we ruin every like Agent Smith is living in my brain right now I would say that humanity is a species that when we feel threatened, we always act the in the worst ways. Mm. But when we are happy and when we are hopeful, we are capable of some of the most astounding feats that you could ever imagine. And I think that the positives of, of humanity outweigh the negatives because if you are such a great cooperative and an amazing cooperative, if you were to help us solve some of these class-based and societal mm. issues, I think we could even improve you because some of the greatest dreams have been thought up by humanity. There's a reason why Shakespeare still lives. There's a reason why mm. we still talk about the Odyssey. There's a reason why we still sing the songs of the Beatles. Mm -hmm. It's because there is something in humanity's DNA that I think speaks to the symphony of the universe. And it would be a real shame for that symphony to end before we get to hear the crescendo. Wow, that's really nice. And you've seen some way worse stuff than I have. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know, man, burn it all down. Well, I mean, you know. Take again, us back to mud huts. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I just want to <laughs> keep bees. <laughs> um, I, I think it is one of those things, right? And I don't want to get too deep into no, this. No, but no, no, no. I do think humanity, and it's the reason why I, 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 think I find myself leaning on Star Trek and Superman because I am very much a dreamer and stuff like that. And I think, I think all of our ills come from, I think we as humanity, I think we create our own worst problems. Yeah. I don't think the, I don't think planet earth does. I don't think the universe does. I think we are our own worst I, enemies. I agree. And if we could just, you know, if everybody had food, if everybody had water and everybody had uh, a comfortable place to sleep that was dry and warm. 
and could also watch Love Island Australia as much as they <laughs> as much as they wanted to. <laughs> Thank or, you. Or Amazing Race or RuPaul's Drag Race or Yellowstone. Whatever you want to watch. Uh-huh. As long as you could watch that to have some smiles, I actually think we would like see the whole planet turn around in a positive light oh, immediately. It's, it's like taking all of my will to like hold my socialist <laughs> beliefs at bay right now. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um I also just hope that people leave this 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 conversation knowing that like if if Jason and I didn't love and believe in humanity, we wouldn't be talking to you each and every week. So I hope that you take that away from me as well. Wait, wait, is that the only reason we do this? That's the only reason. Oh, not for fun and profit. I mean, I was doing it for the money. (laughs) Straight up. Are you a Ferengi? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, human. <laughs> Share the laws of acquisition. As Hard pivot. I've met. Well, I've, I haven't. I haven't met any of the Frankie. I was like, it's the person who like took a class from Armin Shimmerman, Quark himself. Lovely human Ashley, person, Victoria yes. Robinson. Yes. Uh, I feel like you're more Ferengi than I am. <laughs> you're, although, actually, you're, if we're going to go down to Star Trek world, uh, you're pure Bajoran. Thank you. You're one hundred percent Bajoran. Thank you. Uh, well, I am a Bork. Anyways, <laughs> let's. No, get, you're a, you're a human. Let's you're get back to Trek Icon. Human. Yes, uh, okay. Unfortunately, Icon's Utopia Park project is a disaster. I'm shocked to learn this. Shocked. Everything called Utopia never works. You got to call it Krakoa. Then it works. In the Dakota verse, a riot broke out. Mm-hmm. The entire area was destroyed and engulfed in flames. And Rocket eventually decides to go with Icon in an effort to stand trial and testify on behalf of Earth. Mm-hmm. Rocket and Icon travel to the planet Taldega for the trial. They're... Raquel meets Arnest number two. You remember the replica? I do. Who pleads with Icon to not put the Earth child on the stand, Mm. believing she will be too uh, ill-equipped to make any adequate argument in favor for the Earth. It's eventually discovered that the cooperative are dealing with an aggressor race known as the Yungar. They refuse to join the cooperative and are only interested in fighting and conquest. And the cooperative have sent many respawn teams in the interest of unity. The Yungar have always responded with violence and they have murdered every member of the cooperative they've ever met. Mm -hmm. As the situation stands, the earth is on the Yungar's path of conquest and the cooperative are concerned because they have limited options on how to involve earth. They can either record everything about the planet in the event that it's destroyed and then restore it fully or the next option is to put a defense fleet between the Yungar and earth. And the last option is to completely move the planet uh, out of the Yungar's path. Whatever is decided, the cooperative recognizes that it will reveal themselves, which will cause a social and religious upheaval for such a young society. And they were hoping to gain a better understanding of the people of earth to see what would be the best course of action. Mm -hmm. Rocket makes makes a suggestion. They are a warrior race, the Yungar that constantly fight for no other means than just the fight. Why not let them? Why not give them an opponent they can't defeat? Mm. In other words, if they were already sending in teams that were continuously responding, why not distract them than that? Eventually, the Yungar will evolve from it. And the cooperative actually find that's to be a very elegant solution and agrees with her. And since Rocket helped solve their crisis, all she asks in return is that the cooperative could help move the earth down the line, providing basic needs like food, medicine, and housing for everyone. Um, So the cooperative tells her she can't claim an idea. The idea was submitted to the community for all of them to share. So hence, she gets nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. (laughs) And in response, 
Icon submits that if the cooperative will not help, he will help her. Mm -hmm. He no longer sees a need to be on home, on his home planet when Arnis too is fully creating all of his um, you know duties. Yeah. Uh, on Earth, Icon actually make a change for the better. So Icon and Rocket they remain a team. They return to Earth, and together they will inspire humanity like Raquel inspired Augustus. Mm -hmm. And that is the main continuity and the main storyline from Milestone comic books. Couple of things here, just to let you know, they also crossed over with DC Superman a couple of times. I mainly wanted to focus on this original run, mm -hmm. as I think, again, this is the truest sense of the character. And lastly, there isn't much to say more about Icon when he finally joined the DC Universe, but during the events of Final Crisis, the Milestone Universe merges fully with the DC Universe. Um, only Dharma, the leader of the Shadow Cabinet, mm -hmm. Icon, and Superman mm -hmm. are aware that the universes have merged. Uh, and Icon and Superman are natural friends. Uh, so much so that when Icon is in the DC Universe, there is some public speculation of, is he Kryptonian? So um, I have to answer you the question. There's some questions here I want to ask, Ashley. Yeah. Um, should Milestone and DC Comics have merged or should they have stayed separate? That's such a tough question. I think separate 100%. Um, some of the Superman and Icon scenes are really good. The crossover worlds collide is amazing. Like watching those two men interact is satisfying. Mm -hmm. I think the concept at the heart of the Dakotaverse, as I understand it, is stronger, separated. I believe the same thing about Watchmen. I almost believe the same thing about John Constantine. Here's the thing. I'm going to throw another question for you. Mm -hmm. You know, we just had a lot of upheavals at uh, Warner Brothers and DC Studios. Yeah, and yeah, now yeah, yeah. James yeah. Gunn is the big go, him and Peter Safran. Yep. Um, would an Icon and Rocket TV show or movie be just the thing WB needs to produce oh like some superhero, God. some superhero contact that is distinct and unique from Marvel. I mean, I'll tell you this, like I know the views weren't heavy. Like black lightning is the best thing the CW's made in years. I agree with that. It's so good. And it was especially the first season, especially the first, it was very consciously minded, very well cast show, really, really incredible show. Um, if they could get some of those same creators, um, I mean, I'll, I'm biased because we know Lamont McGee. I'm just like, give Lamont the mm -hmm. Dakotaverse and like let him run. A great writer from Black Lightning. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, wrote the the Crisis Crossovers uh, scenes he, with Black he, Lightning. He wrote all the Black Lightning scenes yeah, that were yeah, in the yeah. Crisis really, Universe. Yeah. Just a really incredible television yeah. writer all around. Um, He's on a new Star Wars show. He is. Um, I do think if the CW did it right because they've proved that they can do it, I think Icon of Rocket would be amazing, especially if they did basically this first mm -hmm. run. Um, I agree. Again, I even though it's 30 years old, like a lot of these issues are still relevant and could still be told today just with a slightly, everyone has a cell phone now. I'll give you, here you go. Or set it in the 90s. It's retro. I'm going to give this to you. Great. I'm going to give you an Icon and Rocket movie trilogy. Uh -huh. Ready? The first movie is Icon and Rocket and and dealing with Icon the Civil War. Yep. The cliffhanger ending is Rocket's pregnant. Rocket's pregnant, yeah. Movie two is Rocket is pregnant and it's dealing with that and mm -hmm. how do we get past that, da, 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 all that stuff like that. That one ends with, oh, the cooperatives out there. Movie three is all the cooperative stuff in the trial of humanity. Oh, but great. Like One, give, two, three. give it to Ava DuVernay to like produce. Yep. And then the move and then the, the last or direct the, the yeah. last movie ends where Icon decides to come back to Earth and then it's like, well, we can have more adventures with if them. We want. But if we never see them again, they're happily ever after. The other thing about Icon is because he's a because he's a billion years old, right? Like you could have flashbacks. You could have a young unknown person. You could have Idris Elba. Like your your you castability could, for the role of Icon is like 
40 years. You could also do kind of like what Yellowstone is doing. You could do Icon 1885. 100%. Icon yes. 1875. And have Icon the same actor do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You absolutely could. Um, that would be... Icon 1968. If, if I was one of the executives and my and my job was to help shepherd this in, mm-hmm. I know they're going to want to do static because of the brand recognition. He's the biggest. He's the most well-known. Um, but I think you could really kick people in the teeth. And I mean that as a huge compliment with Icon and Rocket. Now, here's a here's another a great question here. Um, so there's been a lot of talk recently. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and this might come out, but if you're listening to this in the future, this might be moot. Um, it's been a lot of talk about a black Superman movie. Yeah. And whether that is, uh, being developed, Michael B. Jordan, whether that is president Calvin Ellis, the president Superman, or that's Val Zod, the black Superman from Superman two. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you rather have an icon movie than those two movies? Like what, 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 what do you think it, of? Let's put the three of them up there. The three black Superman. Yeah. Who do you think, I'm just talking about from any, like, from an originality, even like, I mean, who do you think is, which is, which would be the better one to go forward with? President Superman, Val Zod, or Icon? I think Icon. I think it's Icon Is too. the best option. Yeah. Look, I would be thrilled to see any or all of these happen. Mm-hmm. Preferably all. I actually would really like all of them. You know, we got Michael B. Jordan. We got Idris Elba. We got Jonathan Majors. There you go. I've cast them all for mm-hmm. you. Like, uh, that's all fine. Who's, who's <laughs> Idris Elba play Icon? Of course. Oh, so you'd make him a little bit older. I would, yes. He's I would immortal. have him be your elder states because ah. that gives him a little, he's got a lot of gravitas too now in in his like, uh, uh, I'm bigger than just Luther star life. Uh, uh, I would make Michael B. Jordan, um, Valzad, and I would make Jonathan Majors president Superman is is how I would cast it. Just <laughs> like, uh, you know, like a, a three pretty obvious choices off the top of my head. I think Icon is the most original. I think Icon can have the most to say. Um, I think Icon feels the least even though he is a Superman analog, I think he feels the least derivative of the DC universe that Warner Brothers is trying to leave behind. I was looking up some lists of just some fun fan casting. Yeah. Um, there's a really fun, cinespeak.org has a really great uh, fan casting. They want to cast John David Washington as hardware. Oh, that's great. Uh, Idris Elba as icon. It's the lazy choice, I know. Uh, Kiki Palmer as Rocket. <gasps> I love Kiki Palmer. I think um, she's a little too old yep. now, but that's fine. Caleb McLaughlin of Stranger Things is static. Caleb McLaughlin is Idris Elba's son in, in uh, Concrete Cowboy. Yeah. He and, was great in that. And then a bunch of the other characters are from the Blood Syndicate, so they're not uh, as well known. I'm just seeing if anybody else pops up. Man, I think those are great choices. I actually. think those are all really great casting I, choices. I, see, I would have said John David Washington for icon but then i actually think he'd be a better hardware so do i know yeah. when you said him as hardware i was like that's a great yeah. choice hardware then, doesn't get a lot of love because hardware is kind of an asshole and then yeah but you can you can change it you can also have sure. a lovable I'm just saying, actor in play the, that in part. the book they Dwayne mcduffie definitely wrote hardware as sort of their batman yes and, and and if it were me um i would give hardware either like a father or a mentor character mm-hmm. and i would cast Kari payton because Kari payton was also the original voice of cyborg mm. in teen titans well i am a big fan and of, he's a great live action actor this is what i would do mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of the new 52 static run which was yeah. great but the smartest thing they did was they made static work for hardware yes so that's how you spin off hardware mm-hmm. so like virgil's 
after school job is mm-hmm. working for hardware. Um, here's a weird, funny story. When I um, did a semester of university in New York in my improv class, we all had to step forward and say what our dream role to play was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Akeem, one of my classmates, he said he wanted to play static in live action. And I remember being like, oh, he's going to be my friend. That is such a cool answer. <laughs> what a cool thing to say. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's. that is it for the icon lesson. Let's get into the recommended reading. Yes. Where if you go over to Geek History Lesson, dot com slash recommended reading professor jason is going to give you a list of icon stories to check out they're all good uh and you can read and learn more and enjoy and then again you'll be ready for the milestone cocktail party so i i had to a lot of milestone is not reprinted so mm-hmm. uh the first one is icon a hero's welcome is collects the first eight issues this is a trade that is kind of out of print you can find cheap copies of it on amazon the great thing is on comiXology and various other digital sites they have been re-releasing icon digitally i think icon also is also complete i don't know if it's completely available but i think most of it is available on dc unlimited um so the first trade is icon a hero's welcome the second one is icon volume two the mothership connection which connects like all the way up to almost 30. But the one I want you to buy is the Milestone Compendium 1. Do it. Um, it collects the first 12 issues of Blood Syndicate, the first 12 issues of Hardware, the first 10 issues of Icon, the first 8 issues of Static, the first 11 issues of Zombie, and the zero issue of Shadow Cabinet. They have also collected... Um, they're also coming out very soon, uh, probably by the time this podcast airs, Compendium Number 2 will be released, and it also uh, collects the next... I want to see how much Compendium Number 1 right now is. I just want to see. Of course, it's not showing up. I can look uh, it up while you continue if you like. Vamping, vamping, vamping. Okay, so uh, why don't you look it up real quick, Ashley? Yep. I, I, the reason why I know that's it's sort of an omnibus, it's thick. It's a, it's like a brick. But I mean, it might as well be called an omnibus. I want us Geek History fans, if you are interested in Milestone, to show, I want DC to collect the entire Milestone universe in these compendiums. And if we all go out there and get it, it will show that there is a huge support for this book. Okay, I've got it right now. If you buy it from Amazon, mm-hmm. it's $59.99. So it's, it's 60 bucks for, let's see, 24 plus 34 plus nine 40 you're at 50 plus comics yeah so you're, you're getting each of these for like a dollar a pop and i will say if that is out of your budget um there's a lot of great used bookstores mm-hmm. um online as well you can get it for about half that price but I think if you, you can buy this digitally too you can buy it digitally but if you are if you're interested in telling the company you need to buy it from either uh, your local comic book shop or amazon those are the big stats that they're following yeah, yeah yeah so like i want um if they keep going on this four or five compendiums will collect the entire universe yeah and again, these books are so out of print that the reason why I scooped this up is because, again, like I'm worried that this will be the last time they will ever print these issues. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everybody that listens, loves comic books and listens to podcasts, you know, digital comic books appear and disappear at whim. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we say this as advocates and lovers of digital comics. Yes. I love digital comics, but like I, the minute they announced this originally it was supposed to be a hardcover and then they made it a soft cover and you could, so you could tell the minute they turned into a soft cover, they were like, I don't know if we can afford this. Um, also when they're doing volume two, because volume two covers the first Superman crossover. Yep. Uh, they put Superman on the cover of the compendium. So, which I think is in poor taste. 
I agree. I understand. I understand why marketing wants it, but I think it's uh, in very poor taste. So I'm just throwing it out there that I think that this compendium series might already be in trouble. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm just telling our listeners that's the best way if you want to get more milestone. It's probably the only way we will ever get this entire series collected, not digitally. Also, tweet at DC Comics. Mm hmm. Uh, and tell them that you want, there is an official Dakotaverse tweeter, Twitter, tweeter, mm -hmm. tweet at them and tweet at the creators and tell them how great their work is. That also go. goes a long way. All right. Now it's time to get into the honor roll. Can I just add one more thing? There's a great, did we tell everybody where they could get the recommended reading? By we the way? did. Okay. Good. I did. Um, if you have HBO max, there's a, a short hour long documentary called the milestone generation where they highlight the creators, uh, the ones who are still alive, give some really great commentary. Go check that out. Um, yes, because, um, sadly, well, we're kind of talking about it a little bit more. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie is, uh, passed away in 2011 or 12, I yep, believe. Not with us. Um, and that is what our GHL lecture is going to be all about. We're going to talk about the legacy of Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah. Uh, so let's get the honor roll, Ashley. Uh, if you go over to Apple podcast and you leave us a five star review, we will read your review live on the air. Ashley, who is joining the honor roll this week? So the first person joining is Ryan Almighty, who says more Batman. I'd give it six stars if it were all Batman, but five <laughs> will have to do. Thank you for continuing to do God's work. Love you both. Ryan, I love you, and I love this review so, so funny. So that's a very, very funny much. joke, Ryan. Well done. At least he knows uh, his own biases. Mm -hmm. uh, that's also me assuming you pronounce. They are also joined by underscore Sanu, who says, love this show. I love how the episodes are organized by introduction to a character or topic, and then topics of discussion about the topic, divided into different categories like meet, cute, history, origin, what to read, discussion, etc. It makes the information clear and concise and easy to grasp, even if you've never heard of the character before, and it's exactly what I was looking for as an informant of podcast. I learned about so many characters I would never have thought to look into by myself. My favorite episodes are the DC characters. Hope to see a lot more of those. You're going to see a lot of those this year, my friend. You certainly are. So you get one right now. <laughs> you are. Underscore Sanu and Ryan Almighty. Thank you so much for your five-star reviews and welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. Mm -hmm. Jason, what's going on in there today? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to announce that um, uh, Gleep Glorp Third is in there and he's trying to... Uh, I believe his name was uh, Glib Glob the Thorn. Yes, and Ashley. Um, <laughs> no but, Jason. <laughs> um, Ashley, you know, he is in there mm -hmm. and uh, they are trying to eat the couch currently. Wow. So I would not go. Well, at least there. they'll be full. I mean, it's empty calories. They don't, under they don't understand how earth uh, customs food. <laughs> and food works. Maybe so, that's food where they come welcome from. Welcome into the teacher's lounge. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to us everywhere you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Ashley, where can they find this podcast on social media? You can find us at geekhistorylesson.com, facebook.com slash geekhistorylesson on Twitter at GHL podcast and on Instagram at I almost said Twitter again at geek history lesson. You can find Ashley on Instagram and TikTok at Ashley V Robinson. You can follow me on Instagram at Jawin. That's J W I I N and on TikTok at Jason Inman writer. Also come on over to patreoncom slash Jawin. That's J A W I I N because icon is part of our Superman year. And if you come join our secret mail level, we're sending out Superman prints. You're going to get a Superman print every single month of this year. So come check that out. And now it is time for stick around. Yeah, it's the part where uh, hashtag stick around where we make sure you stuck through all our plugs. Ashley, I'm going to ask you a very uh, brief question here. Yes. Um, Icon and Rocket are in the DC universe. Yep. You, I am the DC Comics editor. I am the chief poobah 
Gleep Glorp the Third. What's up? Uh, I'm in charge at all of uh, DC Comics. You have to put Icon and Rocket into a DC Comics family or a DC Comics corner. Where do you put them? You know, at first blush, I know most people are going to say Superman. Which is obvious, right? I think thematically, they actually tie a little bit better into the extended Batman family. Interesting. I really do. And I think Rocket would be a really fun team up with almost any of the Bat kids. Mm -hmm. I'd really, really like to see her. uh, I'd also like to see her kind of in the Titans mix, which we kind of been teasing in Young Justice in the show. So that's the other reason why I'm like the my first thought, best thought is Batman family. I am putting them in the Justice League family because I'm going to do one of two things. I am going to say that Icon's plan to make the world better is that he is going to completely fund the Just League International. Wow. Oh, I kind of I kind of love that. Because he's rich. Would you put him on the team? Yes, him and Rocket are, he is the president. Now, here's here's Mm. another thing you could do. He's also long-lived, right? Yes, yeah. So he should be a member of the Just Society. Oh man, he and would he be should, he would be like the young buck. Yep. Now take because <laughs> he looks younger. Take than that the rest classic of picture of all of them sitting around the table. Put Icon there. I love that. Honestly, that's very interesting. Yeah. So like, I actually prefer the Just League International. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because he's rich, he's he's so they become the international team. I just can you see him with <laughs> Michael and Ted? Yeah. And he's like, I really need you to take this because Icon is quite a serious character. Yeah. Uh, and Booster's like, I'm gonna make him laugh, and Ted's like, Don't do it. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. I actually think, and when you think about when you think about the Justice Society, I can just see the meetings as like Ted Grant, uh, Wildcat comes in with a beer and a cigar, and he's just like, "What you guys all doing?" And Icon's like, "Oh, no, God. they're buds. They're best. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Icon would not like they that. They become buddies because <laughs> sure. they're the op. They're, op- they're Frazier and Ross. Icon would like uh, uh, Alan um, Grant. No, um, the More. the original Green Lantern. Oh yeah, Alan Scott. Thank you. <laughs> Saying every other name, but it's people that were actually on the Justice Society. You're welcome. I said Alan Moore. He's on the Justice Society. No, he's, he's an old not. wizard. No, he's not. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this geek history lesson. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. I am Jason Icon. Again, I still stand at the altar of Dwayne McDuffie Inman. Absolutely. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. Professor Jason, would you please dismiss the class? Class is now dismissed.